All right, we roll into the second hour of the radio program. Gas Punk, the Feltulators here. Curtis Crabtree will join us uh, at the bottom of the hour as well. We'll continue to break down the draft. We'll get to the uh, Los Marineros in this hour uh, as well. Uh, we come via the Carter Volkswagen studio. But now, bring on another guest, Dane Brugler of NFLDraftScout.com, joins us on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. Uh, we, uh, someone has said, Hey, we could get you Rob Rang. I'm like, I've never heard of Rob Rang. I want Dane Brugel. And we got Dane on today. <laughs> Hi, Dane. How are you? Doing well. How you guys doing? Uh, we're doing great. We love Rang. You guys do such a great job over there at infieldraftscout.com. The, uh, I, for anyone who hasn't seen it, but I know a lot of our audience has the, the website, how you guys have it set up is, is just, it was invaluable, you know, for me. And I know everybody else here at the station leading up to the draft, but also, uh, this past weekend, so nice job with the uh, the website. A lot of great work. I, I'm sure right now you're like, boy, I could I could use a nap after all that. Hmm. Yeah, you know, first thing is just uh, you know make sure uh, my my wife and kids are still here. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was the first step, and then yeah, second step is uh, get some sleep and get started on that honeydew list, and then uh, get cranking on 2019. Oh, that's funny. What? Uh, give me the uh, the an overall view, Dane, from your perspective. Uh, on the Seahawks draft? Well, you know, obviously going into the day, um, you know, with uh, not having many top 100 picks uh, or going into the weekend with not many top 100 picks, uh, I, I think most would uh, most assume the Seahawks are going to try and trade back, get out of that pick uh, in the first round, uh, try and move back, gain more day two assets. And that's what they did. Um, taking Rashad Penny was a, was a surprise. I don't think many saw that coming. Um, even if they stayed at 18, that's what they say they would have done. Uh, and Rashad Penny's a good back. There's no question about it. I mean, you can't help but look at the production, what he did last year uh, at, at San Diego State with over 2,200 yards rushing, uh, over 7.8 yards uh, per carry, uh, what he did as a return man. Uh, you think he's going to get better as a receiver as well. Uh, the big issue I had with Penny was pass protection. Uh, he is below average in that area, and that's something that he needs to get better in at. One thing that was encouraging was uh, when I've asked him about it, uh, he has told me, he's been up front. He said, yeah, I know I'm not very good in that area right now. I need to get better. And so, you know, it was at least optimistic that he identifies that he needs to get better. He didn't make excuses. And so he said he's doing uh, everything he can to work on that. That's the one thing missing from Penny's game that you kind of say could keep him from being a true three-down back. Let's remove for a second, because we want to ask you about this separately. Let's remove uh, uh, Michael Dixon from the conversation, and we'll talk about that in a minute. We've talked a lot about the upper half of who the Seahawks drafted in terms of rounds. What about down in the bottom, where they had a lot of picks, a lot of names, obviously some risk? Who jumps out at you? One or two guys maybe in the, in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round that they took that you might say, okay, Maybe this guy is uh, it was was right in the right slot, or maybe this guy bears watching as to what happens. Well, I think you look at Jamarco Jones from Ohio State, uh, a two-year starter at left tackle. The testing numbers do not look do not look pretty. Uh, he was a five-four in the forty-yard dash, uh, the vertical, the broad jump. They were not good numbers. The three cone was uh, awful. I mean, we talked about Orlando Brown from Oklahoma and his historically bad combine. If not for him, we would have been talking about Jamarco Jones, uh, 8-3-2 in the three-cone, I believe. But when you watch the tape, uh, it, it, it gets rough at times, but he gets the job done. And so, you know, the feet, uh, the body control, 
there are a lot of times where he's able to overwhelm his opponent, latch on, run his feet, and move the defender from the spot. Uh, he does a nice job just tying up rushers. So they might be- beat him, get him with that first step, but he counters, he reacts, and he does a nice job uh, locking down the corner. Uh, and you look at Ohio State, that they've got a pipeline going right now, a left tackle uh, with some of the guys they've uh, they've put into the league. And I think Jamarco Jones in the fifth round, uh, outside the top 150 picks, uh, not a guy that's going to dominate, but he's going to find ways to keep the man occupied and that's the type of depth that you want and a type of guy that will eventually push for starting snaps. Uh, Dane Brugler is our guest uh, right now on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline, works at uh, NFLDraftScout.com. You can follow Dane on Twitter, at DP Brugler. Uh, so do it right now. Great uh, wealth of knowledge uh, leading up to the draft and post-draft, too. And I'm sure he's going he's gonna to get, after the honey uh, the honeydew list, he's going to start getting working on the 19 uh, mm-hmm. mock draft. Uh Tyrell Crosby, I, I'm curious about him because we watched him here at Oregon, and I'm, I'll get to what, how this makes sense here with Seattle in just a second. What made him slip in the draft? Because he was taken uh, in that fifth round with the 153rd overall pick. I asked that because you know earlier in that in that round, they t- the Seahawks take a punter in Michael Dixon. One of the big storylines going into the draft was improving the running game for Seattle, uh, Dane and and they take a punter instead of a lineman. I'm curious about Crosby and why he fell. Yeah, I was surprised as well. I, I had a second-round grade on Crosby. Um, yeah, He won the, the Pac-12's Morris Trophy as the, the conference's top offensive lineman. Um, there's a lot to like about him. Not the best athlete, but he was flexible. He was strong. You love his finishing mentality. Uh, he offered position flexibility, right tackle, left tackle. You thought he could move inside the guard and be just fine. Um, he did miss all of two or most of 2016 with a foot injury, so I thought it might be that. But when I checked in with a few teams to ask about Crosby, what I got back was a little bit of uh, questions about you know football character and mm. uh, the passion mm. and how much was he going to love it day in day out um, and really put everything he had into it to be the best that he could and so. Um, not saying that, you know, he was lazy or anything like that, just that they questioned how much he really loved it. And, you know, in the NFL, if you don't love it, uh, then, you know, you, you might be, uh, you might not be able to stick around very long. And so that that was the feedback I got, which I had not heard much of up until, uh, we saw him start to fall. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, because that kind of flies in the face, and who knows with all of this stuff. It, it, I, I always think that this stuff gets overanalyzed anyway. But this was a guy who kind of ended up where he began when, when, when everything first started. When, 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 when we started thinking about the draft right, right at the end of the season, he was projected down around there, for, and then, and everybody kept grading him up. Hey, everything you're hearing about this guy, he's getting better. Every, and, and yet then draft day comes and he boomerangs back around. It, it's interesting, isn't it, that you, that you see a guy that, that kind of took this full journey from fourth or fifth round guy up to some people projecting him as a second round guy and then back to fourth or fifth on the draft. Yeah, and the talent, I mean, when you break down his tape, I think you come away with more strengths than weaknesses uh, to his game because uh, more times than not, he gets the job done. He's a good-sized guy. He had over 35-inch arms. So I think the physical traits, you know, that's a check there. Uh, and then I mentioned the finishing mentality. Uh, he loves to use his hands, punch, reach, uh, control the point of attack. Uh, there are a lot of things that you like about him uh, that you thought, okay, well, you know, why, why wouldn't this uh, translate to a guy that's going to compete for starting reps in the NFL? 
Uh, so I, I do think that there must be something to it where, and then, you know, who knows? And that's where all of us on the outside, we don't have, uh, you know, we don't have the ability to go to, uh, you know, these schools and talk to the coaches and the coaches are going to be very honest, uh, very blunt about maybe what they're doing in the weight room. Uh, you know, are they the first one, first one out uh, or last one out uh, at the facility? Are they putting in, you know, the practice time? Are they fully invested in the meeting rooms? You know, these are the type of conversations that, uh, you know, maybe we find about out about later that the scouts are doing. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that might be something that happened with Tyrell Crosby because the coaches, they want to keep a good relationship with the scouts. And so while they might sing, you know, the praises to the media about the player, they're going to be brutally honest with the scouts so they earn that trust and keep that trust. Shaquem Griffin, uh, Dane, you think that he was selected in the round in kind of the spot you, you thought he would be? I gave Griffin a fourth round grade, so I was a little surprised he lasted until the fifth. Um, I, you know, I we heard second, third. I thought that was a little far fetched. Uh, you know, great story, but um, you know, it, it's we're talking about you know the NFL where if there's a prospect who uh, you know we haven't we we don't see that's a little bit outside of the box. Usually, the NFL doesn't take uh, chances on those guys. You know, we saw it with like Puna Ford, uh, Big Twelve Defensive Lineman of the Year. But when you look at it, there are not many 5'11", over 300-pound players, uh, defensive linemen in the league, and that caused him to go undrafted. But still, it's a quality player. And with Shaquem Griffin, obviously, he has uh, the disability without the use of his left hand. Uh, But when you watch the tape, you just can't help but get excited about the play speed, the competitive nature. Uh, You love that uh, when you – it doesn't matter if you're watching the first quarter or the fourth quarter or overtime. It's the same play speed nonstop. I think he's the ideal sub-package player, a guy that you bring in certain situations to blitz. He can drop. He can cover both sidelines. And then, of course, on special teams, that'll kind of be his calling card uh, with his ability to you know, the play speed, the hitting ability. Uh, it, you know, it, teams are going to look at it, and you know, some are going to have immediately off their board. But for him to you know, last in the fifth round, I think Seahawks got uh, outstanding value at that point. You listed your five favorite teams in terms of just the overall draft for this year, and there are a couple. I mean, you know, the Bears at number one, and you know they've been they've been spinning their wheels a lot. The Jets, you know, seem like they're always in 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 kind of a struggle. The Cowboys are a team that's always trying to get get it going. Two teams that you've got in there, though, the Panthers and the Falcons, have both been at or near the very top of the league over the last few years. So if you're right about this, this looks like good teams really getting reloaded a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Atlanta, adding Calvin Ridley to that offense. I mean, we're already talking about one of the league's best passing offenses. So you add Calvin Ridley to the mix, uh, a wide receiver who's NFL ready right now uh, with Mohamed Sanu and Julio Jones. They lost Taylor Gabriel uh, to free agency. He went to Chicago. So Calvin Ridley is going to fit right away to me in that slot role. He can also play outside. I thought that was a great pick. They got Isaiah Oliver, the corner from Colorado, the second. Uh, Sanat, the defensive tackle from South Florida, the third. Uh, really good players. I thought they killed it. And then, yeah, Carolina, back to the receiver, DJ Moore. And I think Steve Smith uh, on the NFL Network broadcast said it best. Carolina has not been able to uh, kind of replace uh, Steve Smith's production until now. Uh, DJ Moore, you can't help but watch him and get Steve Smith vibes with just the way he plays the game. He's very physical. Uh, he's not the biggest guy. He's about six foot, 210 pounds, but uh, he knows how to get open before and after the catch. Uh, guys that can create after the catch are uh, at a premium, and I think DJ Moore can do that. They also got one of my, two of my other favorite players in the draft, Rashawn Golden, 
the corner safety from Tennessee. I think he's an ideal nickel player. And then Ian Thomas from Indiana uh, in the fourth round. I think he goes to a great situation where he can sit behind Greg Olson, uh, won't be pressing the action from day one. We'll be looking back at this draft in three years and wondering how Ian Thomas fell to the fourth round. Hey, uh, uh, Dane, last thing for you. What, uh, of the group in the NFC West, who helped themselves the most? Uh, well, I think you look at the 49ers. They did a nice job uh, getting a tackle uh, early. Uh, for the uh, you know Michael Galinci, I think a lot of people were surprised that he went that early. But if you don't have your tackle early, you're going to be left on the outside uh, looking in. And then I think they got really athletic uh, players on defense. Fred Warner from BYU, mm-hmm. and then Tavarius Moore from Southern Miss, one of my favorite players at that point in the draft. The corner safety, he's an elite athlete. Uh, but I think Tavarius Moore is going to be a name that we continue to hear more and more as he gains more reps and more experience. Dane, great stuff, man. Appreciate you, you coming on. Take a uh, take a breather, uh, lay down for a little <laughs> while, and then uh, join us next week and you'll break down uh, the 2019 mock draft. Sound good? Uh, looking forward to it, guys. Thanks. <laughs> there he is, Dane Brugler. I don't NFL. think he is. <laughs> no, he's not. not like he's looking forward he to that at all. He wants to find his wife. Uh, NFLDraftScout.com. He works alongside uh, Rob Rank. And, and trust me, if you, you want the best kind of information, the easiest place to find all of these guys. Because there's a bunch of different websites. I'm telling you, NFLDraftScout.com, it's just so easy how they have their tabs up there, immediately the position ranking. I'm going to it right now because I have a specific question okay, I want to get yeah, to. We I, didn't I, get to, to the uh, specifically on the, on the Michael Dixon story. but I, I, think, I know, and that's what I want. I want to go yeah. see where they have, you know, how do we get to the, 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 uh, the, you know, the player rankings. I want to see where Dixon it's, was. It's, I don't know. I think most people had him. He had to be the number one punter. Right? Well, he was definitely the number one.